Facebook, come on, let's do this. It's noon. I'm going to wait for some of you guys to come on now. We're in New York City. You're right here with me kicking it, not in Hell's Kitchen, but in my kitchen. You think about this backsplash. It's pretty quality stuff, huh? We're going to jump into Boys Will Be Men. This Sunday was powerful. There was some very significant stuff happening in the room, and I've had so many people reaching out to me that I'm like, I'm going Facebook Live. We're going to consider this a deleted scenes, kind of behind-the-scenes kind of thing. Uh, Florian's on. Mike, what's up? My man from Long Island. We got Sandra from Columbia. Columbia. We got Anthony. What's up, guys? Coming from Long Island again. Pastrami. Hey, listen. I'll go live next week just to eat a pastrami sandwich right in front of some of you guys who've never had that before. <laughs> I want to welcome everyone live. Now, I was thinking about like what kind of you know location I could pick, like what's the really epic thing in New York that I could show you, and I couldn't think of a place more epic than my kitchen. And uh, what's up, Dom Tomlinson? Hope you guys are ready for this, Jen. How's it going in Northwest Indiana? Man, I'm excited. I'm telling you what, I'm going to take about the next 20 to 22 minutes and I'm going to straight up preach, okay? So I hope you're ready. What I want you guys to do, and this is how you can help me. What's up, Michael Chamberlain in the house? Um, what you guys can do to help me right now is start to share this. So, like, invite your friends to watch it. I got somebody from Ukraine watching. I, I can't even say your name. I cannot read <laughs> anything other than English at this point. So, um, But go ahead, before we jump into this message and start to share this like crazy, blow up the feeds, tell Facebook, listen, if you're a woman who's ever been wounded by a man, you've got to go ahead and start sharing this right now and let them know. Nicole Quinn, what's up? My fellow New Yorker, Haley Fleeman. Oh, we love the Fleemans. Ray, what's going on? I'm going to just continue to take like the next 30 seconds and let people jump, jump on this thing. But start sharing it out. Share, share, share. Invite people to check it out. Boys will be men. This is the call out. V1 Church was lit up this Sunday with this message. So I felt like it was so important uh, to, to just do it again, man. Do it, do it on Facebook Live here in my kitchen on, uh, on this beautiful day today, actually. It's amazing. I went outside and tried to... Tried to do this outside, but it was not happening. <laughs> so, my man John Eckhart, you got to hear him. Hey, hey, what's up, Holly? Holly from back in the day from Hammond, Indiana, where I've got my roots. I've now upgraded to the capital of the world. Victoria from Ukraine. Julie Signorelli, Pastor Julie, my wife. Um, but yeah, just continue to invite, continue to invite. While you do that, I just want to say this. Father's Day was epic. What an honor to be a dad. What an honor to be a father. We had the church filled with some awesome men who are proving that real men do still exist. Uh, so what I want to do without further ado is just jump into this. I'm going to start teaching. Now listen, you've got to get a V1 notebook. You see these? We take notes at our church. We're a church that loves to learn. We love God's Word. Um, I've got the Message Bible. I don't know if anyone's a fan of the Message, uh, but you can check that out. Keith Fink, what's up? Kayla, how's it going? All of my church family, everyone who's gone V1 is kicking it with me. Maybe you guys are on lunch. Um, maybe you're retired. Maybe you're in another time zone and it's late at night and you're keeping everyone up. Just go ahead and crank the volume so we can make the devil mad wherever he's at. Um, Oh, awesome. Eugene, what's going on, man? 
originally from Texas in the house. I'd say everything's better in Texas, but we know it's better in New York City. Um, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into this. Last two weeks ago on the V1 Church podcast, we were talking about the quest for perfection. Some of you guys are locked into that quest of perfection, and God wants to release you into the unforced rhythms of grace. And when you sit into the, in, in that unforced rhythm of grace, you know what I'm talking about. You have to check that podcast out. It was awesome. Uh, but we've been in this series at our church called Curse Words. And where I'm from, we actually say cuss words because we cuss. Uh, maybe you curse. I don't know. Um, but, but anyways, we're not specifically talking about the F, the B, the D, whatever cuss word you think I'm coming to take away from you as a preacher. We're actually going after the words that come out of our mouths that literally curse our lives every single week and how we can stop those words from coming out of our mouth and break those curses off of our life. And, uh, you know, Father's Day was last Sunday, so every father has this catchphrase like, you know, do you think I'm made of money? Or, you know, when I, when I was your age, it was like this. Or, you know, I'm not going to tell you again. And we've got these phrases that we use all the time, but there's one that I want us to focus on today as we jump into this. And and here's what it actually is. It's this phrase, boys will be boys. So I want you to imagine for a second this old man. He's recalling stories from his past of infidelity, heartache that it caused everyone uh, and as he ravaged families. Uh, I want you to imagine this old man who's telling stories about uh, children who grew up without a father who didn't even know that he was the biological father because he was sleeping around and I want you to imagine him with almost like a gleeful look in his face actually looking to you and saying well boys will be boys you know we've all heard the phrase we've all heard people throw that phrase out it becomes an excuse in our culture to kind of live and do whatever we want to do and we say well boys will be boys right I'll get tanked at the bar I'll get drunk and then I'll just do uh, whatever I want and use it as an excuse that I'm just a boy but I'm here to serve notice on you that boys will be men in V1 Church in New York at Road to Life Church the different people are tuning in Columbia South America we're here to just declare it in this season, in 2017, that boys will be men. And if I can get an amen digitally right now, that would really help me out. You know, we've got this thing that we do in the, in the hillbilly culture where we go, well, well. And so maybe you need to just type in, well, well is kind of a way of uh, volleying it up to the person who needs to hear that point. So, awesome. we got a ton of shares rolling in. Continue to share this because I'm calling out the, the boys who are hiding right now. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says this, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind on what the Spirit desires. So I want you to begin to focus now. What does the Spirit want? What is the difference between a boy and a man? You know, there's no ritual in our culture. Here in, you know, in Brooklyn area, you see these Jewish boys walk down the street and they have this thing called a bar mitzvah. And once that bar mitzvah hits, this community of people are joining around you and saying, guess what, brother? You are a man now. You are no longer a boy. And what happened is that we are lacking that ritual in our culture. Like, when do you know you're a boy? You know, uh, and when do you know you're a man? It's like that line is so blurry. You can get into 20, 30 years of existence and have no idea when you're actually a man. And we certainly don't validate each other as men either. You know, there's another culture that has a ritual where, you know, this is the craziest one that I read of all the, the men rituals where... 
you run naked across the back row of cows. And if you can run naked four times across that back row, you're not only designated a man, but you also get a free wife. <laughs> so, you know, maybe we need to institute that ritual. Maybe we need to institute something to physically cross the boys over to men in our culture because in American culture we do not have a ritual. Um, and, and it's about time. It's about time that we just affirm each other and step it up. Um, you know, today I want to take a few minutes to talk about David and Saul. In the Bible, you all know David, the giant killer, right? He was a boy on the backside of the hill, taking care of sheep, being faithful to what was in front of him. And God had called him to be king. And so as David uh, was going on that journey, he encountered someone who was supposed to be a man, who was in fact a boy in uh, king's clothing. His name was Saul. And so the first thing, if you're taking notes, that I want to throw out there is that a boy is possessed. A boy is possessive and a man is protective. What does that mean? It means that, that a boy is very possessive. A boy is always saying the word mine, 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 mine. Maybe you've got some boys around you or in your life who are possessive. Maybe you're in an abusive relationship where you can't even walk out your front door without that guy being possessive. But a real man is protective. David saw something going down with Goliath and he said, man, I'm protective of, of my community. I'm protective of even the name of God. Like, you can't talk about God any way you want to talk about God. Like, I'll go out and murder and that, that giant and even take the risk of being murdered myself to protect. And so, real men will put everything on the line to protect. You know, but boys, they're possessive. Let me read this to you. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 18. It says this. The women sang as they played, and they, they had this song. It said, Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul became very angry when he heard this because it didn't please him. He said, they have, they have given David honor for ten thousands, but for me only thousands. Now what more can he have but to become king? And then this is verse 9 and it's so clutch. It says, and Saul was jealous and did not trust David from that day on. And so let me just tell you, this is a side note, is that your hardest day is not actually the day trying to get into your calling or into your destiny. Your hardest day is after you do it and you have some level of accomplishment and everyone who should support you becomes possessive and jealous. Maybe you've got some Saul's in your life right now. Maybe you've got some men in your life who simply do not want you to be successful because they're not real men themselves. And maybe Maybe you need to hear this message that you are a David. You're on your way to the kingship. And so you don't have to sweat their jealousy because they can't stop the anointing of what God has on your life anyways. Can I get a whale? Can I get an amen? Here's the next thing. A boy makes you feel like you need to downplay your accomplishments so as not to embarrass him. But a man is not threatened by your success but actually proud of it and inspired by it. So here's the thing, you'll know that you're in the presence of a real man because he will be inspired by your success and actually become a catalyst for more success. Do you know the person in David's life who could have actually thrusted him into the next level and accelerated it more than anyone else could have been Saul? The person who could have changed the whole story could have been Saul. That could have been his number one cheerleader because guess what? Your success is determined by the success of your successor. 
Let me say that again. Let me say that again. It's getting hot in the kitchen. No, we're not in Hell's Kitchen right now in New York City. We're in, uh, we're in Ridgewood, Queens right now. We're in my kitchen. But it's getting hot in here. Your success is determined by the success of your successor. So what could have made Saul look the most successful would have been David tearing it up and going all the way into his destiny. Saul could have even got in on some of the credit and been like, yeah, I've been raising this dude up. I've been working with him. I've been mentoring him. But guess what? He was jealous. And he was possessive. Here's the next one. A boy bottles everything up and lashes out because of anger or other pent up emotions. A man, on the other hand, admits when he needs to talk, even if it makes him feel uncomfortable. You know what? Let me just stop here and say this. The hallmark of a real man is that you're willing to live in uncomfortable spaces. Like, what makes somebody great physically, a physical physique? It's actually choosing to go into the discomfort to produce the results that they want. And so, conversations, communication is the same thing as lifting weights in that sense, is that it's this element of uncomfortability that you're subjecting yourself to because you say, I've got to become, become uncomfortable to produce true comfort. And so here's the thing, uh, a boy bottles everything up because they're saying, I don't want to force the discomfort of conversation, so I'll just keep shoving it down, shoving it down, shoving it down. But then what happens, and we've seen this a million times, some of you were raised by stepdads and dads who did this, they lash out of, out of anger because of all those pent up emotions because they didn't have the guts and the intestinal fortitude to actually to have the critical conversation when it was time. And so what you're going to do, if you're a man watching this right now, well, I see the whales coming in. <laughs> what you're going to do right now, if you're a man, is you're going to have a gut check. And you're going to ask yourself, am I willing to make myself uncomfortable? Am I willing to have the critical conversations? Am I willing to step up and step into my right position? And, do, and here's the thing, too. Some of us men, we need to learn how to control our impulses. Just because you have an impulse to say something doesn't mean it's the right time to say it. Here's another one. You can write this down down if you're taking notes too. Schedule your impulses. You want to have a conversation with your wife? Well, maybe right after she ticks you off is not the best time to have it. <laughs> you want to have a conversation with your kid after they're royally screwed up? Maybe the right time to have that conversation isn't right after you want to punch a hole through the wall and then throw them through it. Okay? Schedule your impulses. When you look at Saul, he was a very impulsive leader. He was chasing his impulse. He wasn't being led by the Holy Spirit. The difference between Saul and David is that David was after God's heart, and he was actually following after uh, what the Holy Spirit. He wasn't necessarily following after his impulses or his carnal desires. Uh, let me read this, 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 8. And there was war again. David went out and fought with the Philistines. He killed many of them, and the others ran away from him. And then verse 9 says this, Then a bad spirit sent from the Lord came upon Saul as he was sitting in, the, in his house with his spear in his hand. David was playing the harp. Verse 10 says, Saul tried to nail David to the wall with the spear, but David got out of the way and Saul hit the wall with the spear and David ran away that night. You see Saul being impulsive. You see him responding out of an impulse. You see David, on the other hand, being a worshiper. And so all true men are worshipers. All true men understand the source of their affection should be God. And their direction comes out of that. Here's the next one. A boy makes excuses. A man admits when he screwed up and always does everything that he can to fix it. 
Let me just let me say that one more time because I'm telling you this is good. This is good. Somebody's boyfriend is going to get rocked with this. Someone's husband needs to hear this right now. Somebody watching right now, you you've just been waiting for somebody to put a demand on you. You've been waiting for somebody to say, "Let's cross over. It's time now. This is your season to step into manhood." Right now, a boy makes excuses, but a man admits when he screwed up. There's a level of humility. You can't be perfect, so stop trying to go on that quest for perfection. Allow the Holy Spirit to draw you out and bring you into the unforced rhythms of grace. And so here's what happens in, in 1 Samuel 15, 15. Saul was supposed to completely eradicate evil from this region. God said, hey, that region is evil. When you descend upon it with your warriors, kill every single thing that's actually in that region because it's all evil and needs to be eliminated from planet Earth. Well, guess what Saul did? He spared the things that he thought were justifiable to spare. How many of you guys watching right now, your Christian life looks like the way that Saul did warfare? You, you kill only the things that you think are justifiable to kill. Forget about what God says. Forget about what Scripture says. Forget about what the Word says about what you should kill. You let live the things that you think is justifiable to let live. And because of that, your 90% obedience is still 100% disobedience. And there's not a blessing on your life if you operate that way. David, on the other hand, check this out. I don't know if you guys know this. David and Goliath, that whole story is an awesome story. It makes for a great coloring book, right? He's got the sling. He's got the stone. But do you know that David actually had, uh, Goliath actually had brothers as well? And David went on exploits and they actually killed Goliath's brothers as well. They went on this mission to, to eradicate all of the evil. And so... The thing that you've got to ask yourself is, am I on a mission to eradicate all the evil in my life? Or am I letting things live that God doesn't give me permission to let things live? And and it says this, and look at this compare and contrast between Saul and David right now. 1 Samuel 15, 15, you have Saul, he doesn't do all of what God asks. He does just enough to think that he's going to skate by. Then, 2 Samuel 12, 13, you have David who conspires to murder, puts this woman's husband on the front line. He ends up getting murdered in battle because, in fact, David has been sleeping with her and is getting ready to have a a kid out of wedlock. He gets busted out uh, by the prophet and in that moment of unconfessed sin becoming public, instead of hiding, David chooses to do something different. He chooses to throw himself on the mercy seat. David chooses to ask for forgiveness. He chooses to repent and turn from, from what he was doing. Now, he, didn't, he wasn't delivered from the consequences of his sin. And here's another thing. A real man understands that you don't get to choose the consequence. Yes, Jesus may forgive you of the sin. And, and yes, you may repent and turn 180 degrees and walk into the other direction. And, and walk right into eternal salvation and, and eternity with God in heaven. But it doesn't mean that you get to pick the consequences of that sin. And, and what I see too many times is people using Jesus using church, using religion to escape the consequences of, of, of their sin. And, and that's simply uh, a grace and a mercy thing. And, and guess what? I've seen so many stories 
where people do get free from even the consequence of this sin. And that's just the goodness of God. But David understood that, man, I've got to face the music now. And uh, I guess my challenge to you guys who are out there uh, listening to this right now is step up and face the music, man. You've messed up. You've made mistakes. Own it. Own those mistakes. You know what? Some of the relationships that have been fractured and broken in your life, the, the thing that's going to restore them isn't going to be the amount of money you can spend, the gifts that you can buy them. It's going to be you saying out of your mouth, confessing, I messed up. I messed up and I'm so sorry. Maybe if you're a dad watching this who abandoned your kids, you just need to go back and say, what I did was wrong and I have no excuse for it. What I did is inexcusable and I own 100% of it and I own the consequences. If you choose to never talk to me again, then I'll receive those consequences because what can I do? I can't change it. And as you begin to speak like that, you're building the bridge strong enough to sustain the weight of that relationship Then and then breakthrough can happen. You know, it's something powerful happens when men own their sin. Something powerful happens when they admit who they really are. You know, that really, when you look through Scripture, what separates the boys from the men is the people who owned who they truly were and the people who refused to own it. Because God knows anyways. And so the people who came out of that stupidity of thinking that they can hide from God and said, you know what, you got me. I'm just messed up. God said, okay, now you've, caught, you've been qualified to step into the next level. And so here's the thing. Take off the mask. Be willing to own who you are. Be led by God. And, and here's the thing. I want to say this. I want to give you props for those of you who have not given up. For those of you who have said, man, I'm going to go all the way. I am going to be a real man. For those of you who are the only examples you've had are bad examples. I'm talking specifically to the, to the men here, the, the males. Uh, you know, you're male by birth, but you're a man by choice. And, and I give you props because there's some of you who have said that I'm going all the way. I'm not going to make an excuse about why I'm going to act the way I'm acting because even a bad example could be an example of how you shouldn't, shouldn't act. I was telling somebody else, you know, from the age of 16 to 19 years old, I binge read autobiographies because I felt like I didn't have any real men in my life. And so I just started to read about these legendary men and I said, these guys are going to have to be my mentors because where I'm at right now in Hammond, Indiana, uh, I didn't feel like I had any men that I wanted to even fashion my life after. But I said, man, I, I've got respect for um, this guy and this guy and I started to read about their lives. And so don't use an excuse. You've got YouTube, you know, you, there's a father's heart in YouTube. I fixed my furnace in the middle of the winter one time by watching a tutorial on YouTube from another guy. You know, and, and the thing about it is, is there are men who are coming out of this phase of excuses and they're embracing the fullness of what God called them to do and they're, and they're being incredibly constructive in the midst of previous destruction. And so if you feel like you're coming out from the ashes right now, if you feel like you're coming out from the rubble right now, I'm telling you keep climbing, keep pressing through, keep breaking through because this is the beginning and this is not the end of your deliverance and I'm telling you man I'm so inspired people tell me about how New York is a post-Christian culture and you know what, what I should expect as a pastor and we literally see the opposite of that, of that every single week as real men are stepping up and they're leading and they're loving well and they're not being cliches testosterone driven cliches you know I've got a beard and, <laughs> and a lot of testosterone running through my body but you know what 
what? There's this renaissance man that I'm speaking into existence right now. There's a guy who operates in every different domain and does it with excellence unto the Lord like Daniel did and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Joseph and guys who function in these different domains in life both inside and outside of the church but made the kingdom look like something of value here on earth and not just a religious institution. Men who are building movements and not building monuments are just popping up everywhere. So I want to encourage you guys today. Men, I want to encourage you. Don't give up. This is something I want to say to the women just quickly. And and we say this a lot in our counseling with a lot of people. But men are like mirrors, okay? If you look in that mirror of a man and you've got this look on your face... Guess what look you're going to get back? The same one. If you look at a guy and you say, what's up? And you give him that treatment, guess what kind of treatment you're going to get back? And so part of breaking these cycles that these boys are caught in before they can cross over into the threshold of manhood is us breaking the cycles of how we communicate. And so if you've got a man in your life and what you've been doing is discouraging them, I want to encourage you to encourage them. I want you to understand that men are like mirrors. And and so not every man has... uh, uh, the ability to encourage himself like David did on the backside of that hill with his harp worshiping the Lord. And sometimes you've got to jump that and start that in their life. Sometimes you've got to give that encouragement to them even when you don't feel that they're worthy of the encouragement. You know, one thing that I respect about David so much, and we see this in Scripture, is David actually honored Saul even when Saul was not worthy of honor because the title and the position was worthy of honor. And this is something that our society doesn't understand. We don't understand a a culture of honor. And and we don't understand what it means to honor a position and a title, even if the person is not living up to the position that they're functioning in. But David understood that something powerful happens when you honor instead of dishonor. Something powerful happens in your own life. Do you know that when you sow the seeds of honor in another man's field, they sprout up in your own? It's complete opposite of how the world functions. You know, if if I go plant uh, something in my own front yard, it's growing in my own front yard. You know what I'm saying? It better be legal. <laughs> but but when you plant something, uh, and specifically the seeds of honor in another man's life, you will see that honor begin to well up in your own life. And so... What happened with David is that he knew he was to become king. And he said, if I can't respect the the title, if I can't respect the position of the king, then what's going to happen when I inherit it? So for those of you who have had crap fathers, fathers who beat you, fathers who ran out on you, fathers who wouldn't pay bills, try sowing honor, not because they deserve it, but because you're trying to restore back that rightful position and see that you don't reap it. You know, I want to end this thing out by telling a story about my own personal life. For those of you who know my story, you know that I was not fortunate enough to have an awesome father myself. And actually, my father has, uh, has actually passed away. And uh, my father uh, was not a good man, even by society standard, you know, and, and, and uh, went to jail for murder. And, um, and so there's just in my life, there was a, a tremendous amount of, uh, of frustration, heartache, a tremendous amount of pain that was driving the disrespect of all men, really. And uh, I chose to turn it around. And as a teenager, um, because of my circumstance, I actually got this job working at the Hammond Filtration Plant off of Chicago's Lakeshore. And I was making 31000 a year um, and full health benefits before I was 18 years old. And it was a miraculous story of how uh, God opened the door for me to get that job because I 
needed to help provide for my family. I have four siblings. I'm the oldest of five kids and I had a single mom and I was just doing my diligence and there was a part of me that felt so uh, comforted by the fact that I was in control. I was like, okay, all these men screwed up or boys, right? And, And they have messed up and so now I can stuff up and I can be the man and I can provide and I can pay the bills. And it was right about that at that time um, that I started to study David and I started to uh, understand what honor was all about. And, and so in walked this, this true man, and I consider him the first real man that I ever met. His name was Dean Anderson. And, and, and as my mom and Dean got into the earliest phases of their dating relationship, there was just this calm that came under me. And I felt like it was the Holy Spirit just confirming that uh, you are in the presence of a real man. He's not going to do you wrong. And so I just began to so honor, so honor, so honor into that field and honor Dean and honor Dean and honor Dean and just trust and believe that he, that men are like mirrors and if I look at this man and give him honor and treat him with dignity and respect, I'm going to reap it in my own life and so here we are now over a decade and a half later he's still married to my mom, still loving her right, has never done her wrong and, and guess what, he actually cashed in his entire life and retired and now moved to be a part of V1 Church here in New York and so where I was raised fatherless, where I went without, where, where, I, where I had to be done wrong and abused by other men in my past, I chose to flip it just like David and begin to honor that position, honor that title, believe that not all men uh, are boys, but that there are real men. And as I did that, what happened was that now, a decade and a half later, I've reaped in that. And so now I have a physical father that's here. I have a father that's, that took my mom and moved her into a retirement community with a pool. Hello, I know the Lord heard. I even reaped a pull off of that (laughs) and so you you find that when you sow honor you reap honor and so now I've got Dean kicking it with me and and my life has just completely changed and so as I shut this thing down what I want to do is just encourage you that 2017 some real men are rising up coming up among the ranks and, and, and for those of you who have said over and over and over again, uh, real men don't exist, I'm taking away your, your permission to, to say that. I'm taking away your permission to say that because they are out there. And, and, and the real question is, will you choose to honor them as they're on their journey? And, and then men, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that, that some of the way that you get treated in life, especially by women, is coming from a tremendous amount of hurt and pain and rejection and abuse abuse that wasn't your fault but you are suffering the consequences of it and you can either be bitter or you can be better and and what I'm asking every single man watching this right now to do is to flip it and say you know what when I don't get the response that I think I should get from my girlfriend, from my fiance, from my wife, from my co-worker who's a woman, uh, from the women in ministry, then I'm going to understand with a level of wisdom that they may have been so deeply wounded and hurt by fathers that they don't know how to act they don't. They don't even know how to respond. It's just like when you get a tattoo, right? Like uh, you know, there's no mystery. I've got a lot of them, um, and, and maybe somebody doesn't know you got a fresh tattoo right there, and they're like, "Hey, how's it going, Pastor Mike?" And they go, "And I'm, oh my God." 
that and my reaction doesn't actually match, you know, the, the, the response doesn't match. The input output is off, right? It's like, man, why did he buckle over and go to his knees crying like a little baby because I gave him a little of this on the arm? And it's like, hey, there's a huge bleeding pussy wound, festering wound underneath this thing that you can't see. And a lot of times with the women that we interact with in life, we don't understand why is she bluffing me? My wife's crazy. And then we flip it. Oh, she's crazy. She don't understand. She don't get it. And we turn against her, not understanding that underneath the veil of everyday life is this festering pussy father wound or a wound from a relationship or multiple relationships in the past. And so what I'm asking, this I'm going to end this, okay? I'm asking for the boys who want to become men to understand that there are wounded women all around you that need you to stop repeating the cycle and start loving them for who they are in this phase of their life and giving them grace and giving them mercy instead of lashing out on them. So share this message. Check out the V1 Church podcast. Um, We've we've had a lot of lot of listeners kicking in uh, the last couple of weeks, and so I know that we're doing some damage, some to some mentalities, and some strongholds in people's lives. So the best thing that you can do right now is message this. You can share it and uh, keep this thing moving because this is time for the boys to become men. I love you guys. Uh, to all my V1 Church family who tuned in today, I can't wait to see you Sunday and hug you and love on you and load in in the morning and sweat with you and. And uh, to all my friends around the world, everyone from Latin America, Eastern Europe, uh, you guys are awesome. Thanks so much. I hope you understood a fraction of what I said. Dios te bendiga, hermanos. But uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.